Hello and welcome, and Happy New Year's! This is the Court Games LCG Podcast, hosted by me, Trevor Cuba, a.k.a. Kikita Onimaru, and here with my injured co-host is... Yep. Uh, Whacked Mackie, Max Williams, Mackie no Oni. Uh, yeah, I managed to end 2020 in the most spectacular 2020 way possible. How so? I was climbing a ladder to get paper towels for the lunch for New Year's Eve before leaving work when the okay. ladder fell out from under me while I was about 10 feet in the air. Oh boy, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a drop. That is, that is 1d6 hit points, if I recall. Yeah, <laughs> it is indeed, and I landed straight on my back on the ladder. Uh, luckily I didn't slam my head into anything, because... Like, six inches on either side of where I fell, there was stuff for me to slam my head into. Okay. But, uh, I'm still alive, if just not in, you know, pain every time I move. I I, I am, A, obviously glad you are okay. B, more self-servingly, glad I don't have to replace my podcast co-host for, like, a fourth <laughs> time. <laughs> <laughs> You're stuck with me for now. The Maho keeps me going. Speaking of Maho, boy, do we have some Maho to talk about today. Uh, so, yeah, it's just New Year's, new things are going on. Uh, and we've got the pack three of the Temptation Cycle has dropped uh, yesterday. We're recording this on a Tuesday. So if this is a day late, um, well, it's a day late. Yep. <laughs> and we did not record last week because last week was New Year's. Um, and right after the holidays and everything. And I think you told me you were busy. I didn't think you had told me that you were, like, fighting for your life on the... <laughs> I, I had not yet injured myself at that point in time. I was just kind of holidayed out and, you know, I didn't have much in the way of energy. I mean, I know the feeling. I would like to have say I was holidayed out, like, technically on the books, uh, on Christmas Day, or the day before Christmas, that starts my week and a half of holiday vacation, because I don't start until the first Monday after New Year's. Um, but I spent almost the entire time snowing, uh, shoveling ice, because they, whenever it snows, they call us in, and we gotta, like, plow snow around, so. Yep. Yeah, I Which also didn't have to do that. <laughs> But. I, I should also put a caveat to any uh, listeners who care about our schedule. I don't know why you do. I clearly don't. See, <laughs> bash it. He yells at me frequently. Like, can you please schedule these things consistently? And I'm like, no. <laughs> but yeah, for the next couple of months, my schedule might get a little bit more chaotic just because I do not know when they're going to call me for snow and ice because... Weather in Michigan is kind of unpredictable, and like look, I think Christmas night, the reports looked clear. It was all fine, and then it was like a twenty-four hour snowstorm that I had to go and do. So, so yeah. everyone who wished for a white Christmas, screw you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that it was pretty unexpected. I was, you know, just kind of relaxing, and then all of a sudden, snow. And I had to drive in that for a little bit, and that was great. I mean, I'm sure there were some very happy kids here in uh, South Michigan who were very happy. Some Maybe some couples who thought it was very romantic. Uh, and, you know, actually, I can't even complain that much, because well, like, it's already the, the coronavirus pandemic, so I didn't have like family get-together. We decided as a family like not to do anything this year anyway. So all was, like, you really kept, uh, the weather really kept me from was you know sitting around playing video games, working yeah. on some projects. Um... But I also get, like, paid, so even though I'm completely like, oh, boy, I had to work 24 hours on uh, Christmas. Well, I also get double pay on top of the holiday pay, which is essentially triple pay um, for working Christmas. So, you know what? I'd do it again. <laughs> seems like a good deal to me. <laughs> Let me be clear. I'm not complaining too much. I am kind of tired these days, but I'm not complaining that much. <laughs> yeah, that's very fair. Okay. Uh, speaking of very fair, let's. I don't know why I use that as a segue and stuff. But, uh, <laughs> let's hop into our schedule. You know, I've decided just to completely axe our format where we pretend that we are following the Discord League and the other Clan Wars and everything else. I'm pretty sure they're all finished. Clan Wars is done. 
I don't know if there's a new LLO happening anytime soon, and I have not participated or paid attention to what's going on in the Discord League, including the Discord League I entered. So let's just yep. stop pretending <laughs> that I'm. Maybe they kicked this. you out. Maybe they didn't. Maybe you somehow won by default. Who knows? I just do feel really bad. I figured if you're going to sign up for a tournament, you should at least play at least one match, if not, yeah. you know, finish out your whole set, because you're just keeping everyone uh, down, and they were all waiting on you. So I feel bad about that. So, yeah. um, well, never rely on me, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, but we can rely on is a Crimson Offering. So we've previewed some of these cards already, and I don't know how many... My crappy memory, you've got a better idea of what we've already looked at stuff, but let's take a look at some interesting things through here. Anything you want to start off with? Well, we already talked about Bonds of Blood before, but as it is the first alphabetically and it's Maho, I I feel it necessary to mention it again. Mm. Uh, it is a unicorn event, costs three influence, it is Maho spell water, it has the typical Maho. It can be paid by fade on characters you control. Action during a conflict. Dishonor a friendly participating character. Choose a character. Move both the disarmed character and the chosen character home. Which, you know, interesting card. It's an improved harmonize, I suppose. Yeah, except you have to dis you have to dishonor the character. Um, I think it could be pretty strong because. You can send anyone home. It, it'll all depend on how much the move-in tower meta continues to be, right? Because if yeah. there's a bajillion move-ins, it's not worth it. But if they're not around and you can just send some small idiot home dishonored, because Unicorn doesn't really care about losing that one honor for him dying, hmm. uh, to kill someone. And plus, your guy's still standing. So yeah, he can do stuff later. Where Harmonize falls apart is it's a Two characters of equal value or less uh, have to be moved home and stuff. This one, you could have one of your little weenies. And Unicorn always have weenies all over the place. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm also, I wonder how much the dishonoring your own character really hurts. Like, sure, uh, you can run out of honor very quickly with Unicorn. And I've seen them, like, kind of gas their own honor a lot of times. So I guess it's one of those things, like, you can only do this so many times, but... Boy, it's never stopped them before from playing these kind of cards. I don't yep. see why it's going to stop them now. Yeah, and uh, one thing you could note on this is it could allow you to get multiple coverts off in a turn. If you attack with a coverted character, move them home with Bonds of Blood, sure, they're dishonored, which isn't always what you want for your covert character, but you can then covert a second time. Mm -hmm. Sure. Uh, the only thing I want to put out of this card is that's not Shahai on the cart art, which is no. something we talked about before. But a lot of people just like saw it's really nice art. It's a nice uh, yeah. unicorn Shugenja of some sort doing. Uh, well, I guess you don't have to be a Shugenja to do blood magic, but some sort of person in purple robes doing bl obvious blood magic right now. Um, kind of effeminate features. I'm not I'm a current player, so I'm not sold that that's necessarily a man right there. So yeah, uh, and we also have Shahai, who's in this pack. She sucks. We're not going to talk about her. <laughs> <laughs> but a Shahai looks totally different, and B she, I don't think Shahai is doing blood magic or Maho. But I, I, I take that back. I just scrolled down to her card. It clearly says like, "Hey, let's play do some Maho on her card." So yeah, all right, I'll stop talking. <laughs> but she has long hair that seems pretty straight, while this character has short curly hair. Uh, what's next? I mean, I'm just sitting here waiting until I can talk about some crane cards, so what do you want to look at next? We have already uh, I mean, we talked about by Onotagu's Light last time. I'm not that interested in the next few cards. So, I mean, we can get straight to the crane cards. Yeah, we've talked about the Damned Hita already. Have we talked about Command the Tributary? We have not. We can. Just okay. mention it briefly, just for completionist's sake, so people can say they listened to us and had an idea of what every card in the pack was. Yeah, because people really hold us to stand. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Command the Tributary. It is a unicorn attachment. It is costs zero, gives plus zero, plus one. It's a spell, water, Meishoto, has three influence, and ha says, Attached character gains action. Choose another character. Move one fate from this character to the chosen character. Um, okay. 
Now, this is supposed to be, I'm imagining, an idea of like, oh, you've got this dire ability, because dire is a big uh, keyword going on right now. So I'm going to put one of my fate onto your character so you can activate your dire ability and stuff. That is like a potential play. For the love of God, I will never do that. Like, how sick does your dire ability need to be? So I'm going to take a fate off of my character and put it onto your character. Well, you, you can move it to another one of your characters. Sure, if it's gets, yeah. if it gets played, if that's going to be the most likely yeah. idea for it stuff. But I, you know, I feel like this is a like a like an idea that niggles in people's heads. Like, oh, I get shut down, you know? Yep, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Just, yeah. Just, if you're thinking about that, stop. Don't yep. do it. <laughs> yeah, I, this feels like a card that goes oopsies. I put t- I didn't think ahead properly and put too much fate on my character with dire. It's okay. I have a card that allows me to fix that. There's something else I like about this where, and I'm glad it, like the attachment itself is free, um, there are situations where you want to buy, like, a champion or someone, or let me take that back, where you're not, you don't want to, but for various game states, because this is what you just flipped on your opening mulligan, you have to buy a very, like, big character, and so you put, like, I'm going to spend five fate for this character, put two fate on there and stuff. And then it kind of feels bad because, like, oh, I've got all my ducks in one basket, and they're only sticking around for two rounds and stuff. This can, like, help you mitigate that later and stuff because, okay, now I can just on later turns add fate to the big thing I bought early. Yeah. I don't know, because you don't... At that point, you're putting this on, like, a small character to move fate over, and that feels... Kind of weird, because you don't want to put this on other big character, right? They want their fate, so you're buying a small character with fate to put this on, yeah. so. I mean, the fate that you put on a small character is, because if it's with the attention of putting it on to a larger character, then the fate's not really going on a small character, so that's not really yeah. like a loss value there. Uh, the bigger issue is, like, this is a card from hand that's only serving the function of, like, a one-time transfer cost, so is a card worth a fate is the bigger question? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things like... I mean, Reprieve has been a standard save-a-character card for a fate for a long time, but it's also way harder to play around than this is this is really obvious so if you want a way to like keep a tower alive in unicorn this seems like a card you could use for it but from what i've seen of unicorn tower they typically don't have that problem Mm. they're not playing the slow grindy game when they buy a big character, they have, like, you know, a conservative turn one, buy a big character, slap all of the red numbers on him, and win the game before he runs out of steam. Sure. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I think we just spent a lot of time explaining why this card is bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I mean, maybe for some new listeners who might, you know... We've done a service by thwarting the hopes and dreams of some newer player who's like, Oh, this card looks neat. I was like, yes. no! Throw yep. it! <laughs> Cast it into the fire. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, the comment I was going to make is um, something a topic we might want to cover one of these days, which is the true cost of cards in the fact of, like, a card is not necessarily a card all the time. It's more of a substitute game action. Did you ever play Pokemon, the card game? The- Very briefly and not to an extent I could consider at all competitive. Okay. There's a very common card in the deck called Rare Candy. For people who don't know the Pokemon, it's a, you start off with a basic Pokemon, and then you go to stage one evolution and stage two evolution. They get stronger every time and stuff. And you generally need to flip into the these, you know, you get the one early, and then you have to hope you find on stage two, they get to stage three, or if you get to stage three early, you got to decide if you want to hold on to that card, you're going to see the other two, and then... Um, then do the combos and evolu- uh, evolve them all the way to the next form to get to the strongest form. Uh, what a lot of Pokemon players do, because there's this card called Rare Candy, which is immediately evolve a card to its final form. What they do is these weird, um, like, time glass hour decks. So they'll have a bunch of basics and a bunch of, like, level twos but they have like zero to one level ones because no one ever actually pays that middle Pokemon cost 
They just substitute that with rare candy. So rare candy becomes de, de facto, this is a stage one evolution for any Pokemon that you have in your hand right now. Yeah. I mean, that's, a, as, as, that's a long conversation about a completely different game that we're not even talking about. But the <laughs> yeah. idea of a card, um, like not serving a like the obvious route, it's more of a placeholder and stuff. Like, so command the the tributary could be what did I just say? Tributary, tributary. Jeez. <laughs> um, the tribunalary. Uh, this card is in effect the the same slot that uh, a unique character would be in your hand like for some reason let's say you had you know your champion and a copy of an xp version of it in your hand for some reason functionally it takes them a couple steps but like it's one uh, card from your hand to put on there that being said as i'm giving that example the handful of characters that do have like rare versions that can be played from the conflict i don't think anyone actually plays like more than one or two copies of them because they just like no one pays that cost yeah, like maybe Kachiko has Kachiko ever been played two of just to get like throw a copy of her card just to get another one of her? I mean, uh, I've definitely played Scorpion before and discarded a second Kachiko to put a fate on a Kachiko. Did you did you feel good doing it? You know, it wasn't that bad. Like, with Scorpius got so much money, like, I was like, let's Kachiko one die, and then immediately play another version of Kachiko. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I could. But, you know, it's it's whatever, because all, she, had, she was, like, honored and had attachments and such, right? Okay, so fair enough. Sure. So, all it right. happens, but not often, and I doubt they're playing multiple copies nowadays, because this was, you know... A year and a half, two years ago at this point. <laughs> yeah. Let me talk about some crane cards because A, I always like to talk about crane. I, I spoil them on this podcast. <laughs> B, we didn't get to uh, the to see these things before. I don't think we, we might have. Seen, I like, don't part remember of, either of the next two. I think we saw like part of Desperate Negotiator, like maybe his name or just part of yeah. The, like, partial of the we card. saw he had a dire thing. Uh, and both of these are actually kind of worth looking at. Uh, one's better than the other. So, but let's start with uh, Desperate Negotiator. It is a Dynasty character, two costs, zero military, two political, one glory, courtier. Uh, all it has is Dire. This character gets plus two, plus two uh, when it has a Dire. So it's di- for a reminder, Dire is when a character has no fate on them, they trigger their Dire keyword. So as long as I buy this character and don't put any fate on him, he's basically two costs for a two four, which is significant, you know. Yeah, I mean that's that's what Scott kept uh, the brash samurai around for so long is he's a two cost four three. Yeah, he's competing with brash samurai for the spot, or maybe if there's a deck that just like needs another. Like, you know, the cost efficiency alone is something like, he's not great, but, uh, like, he's not doing anything amazing, but he's so much value for the dollar, he might find a spot just on the back of that. Yep. Um, and he's also a much more valuable keyword with Cordier. Yeah. And it's great. If I wanted to honor him, it's not too hard to honor him, so. Yep. Uh, it's very interesting, and I think, like, I really, I think the thing I like most about this card is this is about the most perfectly balanced dire effect we've seen so far. Mm-hmm. Like, in all, all the other packs before, and the one that's, like, continuing in this pack. Spoilers. Uh, but yeah, he's cost two, so I could just, like, buy him for two and put zero fate on it, and I don't feel that bad about it. Usually with a two cost, like, I'm kind of 50-50. Sometimes I'll put a fate on it, sometimes I won't. Mm-hmm. So if I paid no fate on this guy to get dire, like, that's a no-brainer, save some money, have this really powerful character, and then you know, that's it. Yep. Easy peasy. Yeah, he seems all around pretty solid. We may not have Brash Samurai forever into the future, in which case this guy easily slides into his spot. If we I mean, ever hit a rotation. I, 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 I want to do the Priceline Negotiator every time <laughs> I play him, but that's about it. Yep. Yep. Uh, 
the other card I think is not only a is it really good for Crane, but it's really good in general. And it might be one of those like, hey, everyone, pay attention. This card is going to be a thing. Um, disparaging challenge. It's a one cost Crane event. Uh, two influence action during a conflict. Initiate a political duel against a character your opponent controls in their home area. Resolve the duel. Move the duel's loser to the conflict, if able. Otherwise, move it home. So, Doji Challenger has been teaching people how to fight. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's a problem. What do you yep. think of this one? I think this is very strong. It is either a pretty unconditional harpoon or a send home depending on how you feel like using it mm-hmm. to either eject your own character or to drag in somebody that you want to drag in yeah the harpoon effect alone i think made this thing worth playing but the final kicker of oh it's also a kikita kaisen style eject uh, I think really adds a lot of value to this thing. Yeah, because when I'm trying to put attachments on characters, you know, I'm trying to... I'm not putting them on my characters who are sitting at home. They're the people who are showing up to the fight. So they're not likely to win the political duel. The one thing that this card does have against it compared to Doji Challenger is Doji Challenger is able to point at a giant loaded up tower and say, you know, come here be in a conflict you don't want to be in, whereas this might not be able to as much. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Though most towers tend to straighten themselves and move into the conflicts anyway. Yeah. Um, So, very basic people who don't know, Harpoon Effects, why are they good? This game revolves a lot around choosing which battles to defend and how many resources, aka bodies, to put there uh when your opponent could cause you to over or under commit it can like very quickly destroy your game uh one of the reasons back in 2018 a air quote misprinted card or something that just kind of like was missing a very obvious text mm-hmm. is hawk tattoo and that was a card that will allow like play on your opponent's well it's supposed to be put on one of your characters move them to the battlefield if they're a monk do another action but they never said like put the line put it on your character, so you can put it on anyone. So people were putting it on other people's characters, causing them to overcommit in battles, and being left with nothing to defend with, or left with nothing for future defenses and stuff. So the Harpoon just completely gives you control of the battlefield. Combined with Crane's already cool control Harpoon effects, like we have Doji Challenger, we also have Formal Invitation, um, I feel like there's something else that I'm missing right now, but uh, yeah, if Craig could dictate who you are setting to battle, who you are not, or and the number of reasons, like oh, I don't want a certain person in this conflict for a number of reasons, because once Crane can get like a nice target to start hitting them with all their duels and then getting all their effects and stuff, things can get really bad really fast. Hmm. Yeah, especially if you're able to drag in a small political body, you just go, hey, let's do a bunch of duels. Like, I could imagine attacking with somebody, your opponent going, I don't feel like defending. You drag a small political character into the fight, and then you hit them with, what's the duel that it, it's a political duel that it, the winner gets an additional conflict. Hmm. Like, you just slap them with that, because nobody plays that, because it's so hard to do, but maybe this would allow you to set it up a little bit yeah. better. Yeah, and that's just the harpoon effect alone. Then you, you were talking about like, oh, hey, I'm in a battle. I'm losing right now. I can just trigger this on someone who has more political, force myself to lose the duel, and then send my character home from a losing battle to participate in other battles and stuff. That is also a ginormous aspect to this thing. Mm-hmm. Also, it's a duel. Cranes like duels because we get effects when we do a duel. Like <laughs> the the fact that the it's very little that the effect of the duel itself is like something we want to do. It's all the extra stuff that we get on top of it is what we're doing. So yep, yep. So I think the card has potential to be pretty darn strong. 
sure, sure. Um, you want to talk about feeding the uh, feeding an army? Because sure. I'm actually going to talk about another crane card immediately afterwards. Okay. So feeding an army is a zero cost lion event for two influence. It is air roll only. Reaction. After the conflict phase begins, break a friendly face-up province. Place one fate on each character you control with printed cost three or less. How do you feel about this one? I personally think that this is a very strong card. Uh, Lion has long been the faction of, you know, put putting fate on their characters and just really having no reliable way to do it while swarming out a bunch of small characters. And I think this may be the card that pushes them there because this is always, pretty much always achievable. You know, there, there are going to be situations where your opponent breaks every province they walk into. Uh, but that doesn't always happen, especially as like, Let's say they walk into the Art of War, and they're just like, I don't want to break that, and he checked out. Well, you just crack your own Art of War, draw three cards, put a fate on all your dudes. Wait, how does this stop them from cracking? Well, if if they don't break it, because people will scout for it, be like, I don't feel like breaking that. Oh, okay. That's what I'm saying. Like, it, it relies on the opponent somewhat, but people aren't always just going to throw themselves gung-ho into breaking everything they can. Sure. Uh, yeah, this is like the card that For Greater Glory always wanted to be. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Um, I could even see this potentially being a viable splash into some other factions. I don't like I mean, to influence. Anything that has a lot of weenies can benefit this, so looking at Kravitz, looking at Unicorn Swarm, yeah. Yep, as well as... Another very powerful card in Forebears is an Air Lion card. Mm. So, no, do really I do I think it'll be meta-defining? I don't know. Do I think people are going to play it? Yes. I think it'll find its way into decks. Yeah, that's pretty good. I, I, I don't think it's, like, if, I've, if someone plays this and I've got a counter in my hand, I don't think I even stop it. Um, it does pay for itself pretty hefty with breaking your own province, yeah. which at first I'm like, well, you know, the obvious knee-jerk reaction is like, why would I do that? And then you start getting into some of the weird things of, hey, some of these cards, when they break, do cool things. Also, by nature of how we build a province row and not all provinces are made equal, sometimes you just have a really strong province that you want to break just because your opponent keeps farming it so I was like, you know, you won't break it fine i'll break it <laughs> yeah i mean let's say that you're against a scorpion player and they find a province that they're just gonna farm forever you're like now nah, we're done with this now no more farming this province isn't that one of the biggest problems with before the throne is no one ever breaks before the throne yeah <laughs> they just pounce off of it all day yeah yeah now, the reason I said I'm going to talk about a Crane card is because Crane got a very similar card in this pack. Uh, and I'm trying to figure out, like, what the, what happened here? Um, so Crane got raised to the ground back in Honor and Flames, which is the pack two, so just the one that just came out. Mm -hmm. uh, which, as a reminder, is Earthrow only. Reaction, after you win a, a military conflict against a non-stronghold province, dishonor a participating friendly character and break a f uh, friendly face-up province to break the attacked province, which is so many restrictions in such a narrow freaking situation. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But, uh, so, like, uh, there, uh, my, my new trick we're looking for at feeding the army, or feeding an army, is, well, clearly it, you can't fight any situations. But I was like, oh, no, because this card's actually good. <laughs> I'm like, raise the ground. I start yeah. looking at all the provinces that like, oh, break this province and good things happen, especially on a lion. Lion have a few of those things like inherent to them. Yep. Turns out that they do. Because a lot of, a lot of, you know, when you're going really trade blow for blow, you know, if, if you can get more momentum out of it than they can. I mean, I'd... maybe it's unfair because I'm just looking at these two cards just because they have a similar 
cost, and, and mm. they really shouldn't, and they're both elemental locked. <laughs> That's a thing. Yeah. So they are kind of comparable, but not really, I suppose. And like I said, I just got some really cool crane cards, so I shouldn't be complaining anyway. <laughs> That's interesting. Uh, maybe we'll see more break your own provinces as a universal cost in things. That'd be neat. Yeah, always possible. Be, it'd be interesting to see for sure. Uh, let's see. Forward Garrison. Did we talk about this one? I don't believe so. Especially oh. judging by the fact that there's no art for it here. Yeah, well, the art was because, um, and I can't remember his name, it's probably for good reason, but there was a artist, uh, two years ago now, um, who was revealed to be involved and has some, like, um, a controversial person in the community. So FFG has separated themselves from them and wow. is replacing all the official artwork. Like, this, uh, there are, every time that appears online, like we're looking at the online previews right now, they're just going to use this generic FFG logo. Um, and then during future sets, they will reprint with different art. But for now, they're just going to ignore all art that they have associated with this particular artist. That's very That's fair. I am glad that they're doing that because some, some companies uh, struggle with that a lot more. Yeah. Uh, anyway, for this actual card, it is a lion holding, gives you plus one province strength, castle, while there's a battlefield in play, fate cannot be removed from characters you control by opponent's cards or ring effects. Um, is, does that happen? What does that happen? That doesn't happen. The void ring? I mean, sure. This seems awful. Are we playing a uh, holding just to stop the void ring and the once in a blue moon effect that uh, like removes fate from characters? Yeah, it, it's your. I don't want to be consumed by five fires, so I flipped a holding and have to have a battlefield in play. Ha ha ha! Got him. This is why I wish both of us were playing right now instead of just like armchair generally. Because I was like, it, what are the Phoenix doing right now? Phoenix used to have a bunch of Shugenja and consumed by five fires that this kind of stops. Um. Oh, you know yeah. what? Lion have a a tower theme, and towers don't like being consumed by five fires. So, ooh, okay. Never mind. We th we we found the purpose of this card. <laughs> yeah, it, if the if they're even still playing consumed by five fires in Phoenix, but that just seems so narrow, right? Like, uh, maybe because uh, like so. Normally, yes, you would not want to meta versus a single card or a single faction unless you are like which was the situation for line tower and a bunch of other towers where hey i've got this deck type that like wins 99 percent of the time but this one time i can't win is because of this one single card so now it's sl <laughs> sliding this in doesn't make it makes it a hundred percent win right now <laughs> yeah i'm not so sure for because if it flips up on a face-up province that you know, it's uh, if it's already broken, they just don't care. They can go and yeah. break this. It's only plus one province strength. I don't. I couldn't name a single battlefield card, so I can't tell you if there are any that are any good. <laughs> uh, uh, ladies and listeners, this is what we would call a meta pick. This is a bad card, unless the meta of the game, you know, the trends of what players are playing right now actually make this a very good card uh because some cards are good in general we we're just talking about disparaging challenge that's just a, there's so many card or situations where that's just obviously good it's a obviously good card a meta card is what, the situation we we're just talking about it's not good a lot of times except for the times it's really good really good and you need it to be good in these very specific situations based on the nuances of your own deck yeah, or let's say for your local meta that you've got a Phoenix player that you just can't beat and he always consumed by five fires you, and you're just like, you know what, I'm going to get him, and you throw this card in there, and you're just like, I got him now, uh, which Trevor definitely has never done to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to point out, like, I, 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 I'm always happy to see effects in the game, even if they're not top meta level. Because of the situation, back in the day when you had crab, you were beating the crap out of me all day, I was looking up the entire pool of cards, like, listen, 
There should be some way for me to pull together a crane deck that is a specifically anti-Max Williams crab deck. You know, I don't care if I lose mm-hmm. to everyone else in the store, or everyone else in the tournament, I should be able to beat this one person. And it didn't exist. And you know what? If I had a card like this, uh, not there, this card, this wouldn't do anything to classic crab, but yeah. you know, uh, I would absolutely put a silver bullet versus one person in my local play group. You know why? Because yep. screw that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's the worst. <laughs> so, I, I, I don't begrudge FFG for printing this card. I don't think it's a complete waste of space, unlike, you know, the card we skipped, Damn Tito, which is a complete waste of cardboard, and should Mm -hmm. apologize to the trees it's printed on. But this card, it has its niche use. Will it ever see play at a bigger tournament? No, but it could see play at a local tournament. Yeah, ironically, as we're talking about, like, this is a great uh, Consumer by Five Fires meta, there's another one. Actually, we'll, I'm just going to skip over because we've already talked about it anyway. Sanguine Mastery. This is pre. This is like one of the earliest previewed cards. It's a Phoenix spell. Yep. We've already talked about. I don't get the details again. Stuff. But this is the, we finally got the card that is. Hey, destroy all attachments everywhere. Screw attachments. They got to go. Yep. So I am interested to see how the attachment meta game is going to shift after this pack happens. Because not yep. everyone's going to run Sanguine Mastery. Now we're going to run Phoenix Splash for just this card. But just enough might to make the concept of a tower a decision you're going to want to think twice on. Yep. Um, A Phoenix card that we did not talk about already, I believe, I could be very wrong, is In Harmony. I don't think we have. Well, let's read it and find out as we go on the journey together. Uh, it is a Phoenix attachment, plus zero military, plus one political condition. Play only if you have at least one ring in your claimed ring pool. Ancestral. Fate on attached characters cannot be removed by cards or ring effects. Uh, conflict card, uh, two influence. Oh, okay. Um, that is strong. Let me, let me, I'm taking a double reaction. Did I just read this right? Fate on attached character. Oh, on this, the character is attached yeah. to. Okay. Yeah. I thought it just get a blanket effect. Like, no one can remove fate. Like, oh, nope, we just nope. destroyed it, the entire it's, mile of theme. It's and... forward garrison except on an attachment. Okay. And, but I will point out, forward garrison does not prevent you from performing Maho. In Harmony does. You yes. cannot be a Maho Sukai while you are in Harmony. I do like the idea of uh, this is a nice Maho thing. I don't know because Maho's so new and no one's really used it from what I've seen so far to get an idea. Like I don't know the idea of a character that you get you put fate on specifically for Maho because you can just like put fate all over the place. Yep, I think it it's another very anti-meta card, just like Forward Garrison, where. If your opponent, if you play against Maho all the time, In Harmony has use. If you're playing against Consumed by Five Fires all the time, In Harmony has use. In every other condition, it doesn't. I like how it has Ancestral, because you can kind of like just whip it out yep. for a number of different situations and not have to worry about it, because they're going to come back. Unless they waste a attach uh, control card on you, which is, hey, I'll take that trade. <laughs> yep. It turns out that harmo- harmony can be passed down through the generations. Mm. You you can you can leave your harmony to your grandchildren. I think this is if you're already Phoenix, I think this is worth you know, and the you know, screw it. It's got plus one uh political. <laughs> I've done more for worse political gains, so that worse you just put up one of your own characters. Well, except it ha- it has a really it has a real condition to being played. Sure. You have to have a claimed ring. Yeah, um, but in Phoenix, is that really a condition? Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know if you just slam this into every deck just because, but... I mean, I think it's it's easy to win a ring around... Unless you're like doing really badly, it's easy to get, get a ring and stuff, and... Phoenix have ways to cheat rings into play, too, so I don't think that's really a, a strong... 
This is one of those non-cost costs, like saying, like, oh, this crane card can only work while one of your characters is honored. Done. <laughs> yep. Alright. Uh, let's move around Shahai, because no one likes her. <laughs> Kaito Mai, we've already talked about her. Key alignment. Um, I don't recall this card. Read this one for me. Let's see if I can remember it. Key alignment. I think this is one of those ones that we could see parts of, because I definitely recognize the art, but that was it. Mm -hmm. Zero-cost event from Dragon. One influence. Key alignment. It is a Kiho void. Reaction. After you declare a monk character as an attacker or defender, search the top eight cards of your conflict deck for up to two Kiho cards with different names, reveal them, and add them to your hand. Shuffle. So, I... Show up with a monk, I just go find Void Fist Hurricane Punch. Yeah, and it then shuffles the, you know, shuffles cards back that you put there with Mitsu. Okay. I mean. <laughs> it seems like a no brainer include in a monk deck. I mean, yeah, and then with the, you know, with the. What is, passes for a decent dragon deck is already like half a monk or cheap monk effect anyway and stuff. Sure. Yeah. I mean, sure. Dragon needed a boost. This is this this will do it. <laughs> sure, guys. <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Kind of offsets the 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 new monk theme of like, hey, we need to play like five cards before anything good happens. Like, well, just let's give them free cards. Oh, that's the. Seems like we're, we're replacing one bad mechanic with yep. a bad solution, but whatever. I mean, let the dragon have their toys. They don't yep. have anything else going on. Yep. I'll allow it, dragons. You're at the bottom of the barrel, but just yeah, the, uh, in, avo the, in avoid this card is kind of BS, but... <laughs> the clear answer is you key alignment, find another key alignment in a card, then you key alignment again, find another key alignment in another card, then you key alignment again, you've got four cards. Well... I hate you, right? We <laughs> <laughs> do a quick thing. What? what it's going to be a keyhole card, right? Yes. Um, I just did an X search for keyhole. There's more keyhole cards than this one. Oh, I got to search for K, right? For keyword. I think so. All right. There's oh, the, the, the top of the list is enlightenment. So this is a a card that can potentially trigger enlightenment. It's already an issue. Oh no! Yep. <laughs> Things are going so bad so fast. Uh, oh, hey, oh, ooh, ooh! Wait a second! Wait a second! I think it's got an idea. Let's see. Uh, it reacts after you declare a monk as the attacker defender. What about all these mantras? Let's see. Reaction after your opponent declare. Oh no. Yeah, no, the mantras are awful, so... I I thought we almost had a, a reason to use the mantras. We were so close. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure that the mantras trigger after key alignment does, mm. so... Yeah, because your opponent declares, then you declare defenders, so... It's Void Fist, Wildfire Kick, Hurricane Punch, and Iron Foundation Stance. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what Wildfire Kick and Iron Foundation stance is, because they have a lot of text. <laughs> I don't feel like reading it all right now. But, That's yeah, fair. But, I mean, like... It's a card that and... will only get better trademark. Yeah. I think Hurricane Punch and Void Fist alone is enough to make this an auto 3x. I mean, what yep. is this? It costs zero. Well, I guess it's one influence, so... Does Phoenix have enough monks to put the steel cards yet? I don't think so. I don't think so, but they could go and get the Path of Man with this. Alright. Well, you know, like I said, any other... If this was a scorpion, I'd be, like, raging on the internet right now. But you know what? Yeah. Good on you, dragon. You got a busted card. It's been a while. It, what's the new upcoming dragon card that does really, like, nuts things that we talked about previously? That's a that's a vague statement, but uh, you know, the one been... I don't know. We talked about maybe it's it, it should have showed up if it was a Kehoe, right? It's the yeah, uh, Soshi Nikkei. Yeah. That's what I was well, thinking about. That is just a heresy. Yeah, uh, Soshi Nikkei is came out in the, the first one, second, second pack, second pack. Yeah, 
Um, that one was really an issue, mostly out of Crane because Magistrate Station. Yeah. But uh, like the community all got together and stuff. Like, oh, Magistrate Station's getting super banned now, so yes. we never really let that thing get too much of an issue and stuff. It was a really strong card. Um, yeah. But but we're considering it like super busted in that context. That said, yeah, I think um, Dragon have been getting like some bangers. Let me look at the, like. Keen Warrior from the first pack, it's a decent two-drop, which, you know, shouldn't be exciting, but Dragon don't really have one of those, so congrats. Yeah. Um I'm not gonna look at the, I'm not gonna look at all these cards and stuff. But, you know, yeah. yeah. Dragon need They're they're getting better cards for sure. Yeah. Uh let's see. And ironically, since we've already talked about the other ones. Lions Pride, you know, whatever I said about the Desperate Negotiator being a perfectly cost dire character, uh, Lions Pride Paragon is the opposite of that. And <laughs> yes. notice, like, it's it's only a difference of one fate. Yeah, but that <laughs> hitting that three fate is just, it's the magic number. Yeah. Where just all of a the sudden the character demands having fate placed on it, basically. Because mm-hmm. you can't put Unless you have, like, a crazy amount of money. Even then, you shouldn't just be wasting money. Uh, you can't put three fate on a character and nothing else and just let them die. It's just too much of an investment because you have nothing to play for anything else. Um, now, real quick, not- just in case you don't know what we're talking about, Lion's Pride Paragon, three-cost lion character, Bushi, three glory, three one, dire this character doesn't bow as a result of conflict resolution. Now, it's a- granted, it, there is, like, if you buy this and nothing else on your first turn, it's functionally the same as buying, like, your standard one drop and a two drop. Yeah. It kind of works. But, like, it only works on the first turn and never again. It's not yep. really do anything that interesting for the and, rest of the fight. And even, like... A three cost, like a three one that doesn't bow, like eh, you want your characters that are straightened to be towers. Hmm. And this text box very much says, "Don't tower me." Yeah, and it's a now the it's this hmm. juggling my words here. So 3-1, especially in Lion, doesn't get you much, even if it's in every single conflict for the entire round that it's alive. Because Lion can just spit out military numbers like anytime they want to. It's not really a game to get more red number. Um, the political one is not great, and all you really do is like, hey, I have a body here. Doesn't really add much to anything. Uh, so we have the, we were talking about earlier with uh, some card, like, you need more than big dumb stats. Yeah. Uh, Ironically, I was talking about Desperate Negotiator having, essentially, big dumb stats. But it's cost-efficient big dumb stats. So it's actually kind of smart stats. (laughs) Yes. Anyway, we've, we've talked about this before. We're not happy. Um, moving on to, I... Can't remember if we talked about this or not. Because this is also pretty good. Another dragon card. Uh, Seeking Enlightenment. It is a province that has five province strength. Reaction. After this province was revealed, your opponent loses X fate, where X is the number of attacking characters. Um, it's cool. It's It has a lot of, like, gotcha potential against certain clans like Scorpion, who are trying to hoard all their fate. Um, I, I don't know if it's good enough to just make the cut. What is what are dragons currently running for fire? I mean, I imagine they're still running. Um, is Resto fire? No, Resto can't be fire. No, Resto's definitely fire because they were running Secret of Fire for Resto and uh. The yeah, okay. feast or famine. So if the idea is that uh, the 
what is the name of this card? Seeking Enlightenment or Restoration of Balance. I don't think this wins out. I think Restoration of Balance is still a better thing. Yeah. Although, as we said, say that, the, the first two Dragon decks I've clicked on aren't even running Restoration. I mean, I think that also speaks to what Fire offers you these days and the kind of inherent thing of like, hey, when was this revealed? Get you and stuff. The Fate is odd because it it will suck, but if I attack you with one, I'm only losing one. It's very easy to poke this. It's very easy to play around this. And even though the big blow-up plays, like, some clans don't have a lot of money just lying around every round, right? Some people only have, like, one or two fate lying around. And if you lose that fate, I mean, that's not good. That's, that's a blow. But it's not yeah. such a devastating blow that it's worth, like, a one-time on-reveal effect. Also... Doji Diplomat's running around like crazy right now. I'm just going to flip this thing over and laugh at you because I was never attacking when I flipped yep. this thing. <laughs> yep. that, that's also very fair. Uh, let's see. Moving along. Seize the Mind. I believe we've talked about this already. Um, Shadowed Village for Scorpion. All right, now we're back under our Scorpion shenanigans <laughs> where everything from Scorpion is busted. Um... Alright, so this is a holding that gives no bonus called Shadowed Village. Uh, reaction. After one or more fate is removed from a character you control outside the fate phase, draw one card. Draw two cards instead if that character is dishonored. So, a holding that just generates fate. Um, obviously, this is a thing where, hey, if I have a lot of Maho abilities, I could just like create my own card draw engine. It creates a deterrent from people playing the Void Ring on you. <laughs> yep. Um, I think uh, this is some pretty potent card draw in a deck that already has like a lot of cool card draw. <laughs> yeah. Is it worth it for them? I don't know, maybe. If they start running a bunch of Maho cards, sure. I mean, yeah, sure. In a, in a world where the Scorpion have alibi artists, you know, you get to the yeah. point of, like, why do I ha need even more card draw? I've already got, like, a ridiculous amount of card draw. Yeah. <laughs> I guess if alibi artist gets banned or restricted, I can just swap to this one and not lose a step at all. Yeah. Will, will it see play? I don't know, because, I mean, Scorpion's dynasty has always been their kind of I-don't-care-as-much side, mm. but, I mean... I'm pretty sure they're at a place where they don't just have free room to throw in whatever. Mm. Uh, I will still go on record saying ignoble enforces, uh, enforcers is an issue with all these Maho things because it just generates free fate <laughs> that can be used to pay for who knows what. Yep. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um. So... And I think that's everything new. I mean, Tetsuo Blood looks really cool, and I know you're excited for it, but we've already yep. discussed it. Uh, did we talk about the Eternal Watch? Uh, well, go ahead I read it. This is a Crabbo card. Yeah. I think we mentioned it, but we'll, we'll talk about it. It is the Eternal Watch, a five-strength province for Crab that is Earth-aligned. Action. During a conflict at this province, choose an attacking character. Your opponent selects one. Either bow that character, or they give you one honor. Ooh, you're a crab. How do you like this one? I think it's pretty good, actually. I, I think if we talked about it before, I might have said the opposite. But thinking okay. on it now, it's a pretty decent effect. Because bowing characters is strong... Pressuring honor is strong. I do not like how much control my opponent has while I try to use this. Yeah. Card. I mean, great. So it's an earth thing that's an action that can um, be repeatable. This was one of the few things that says, like, during a conflict at this province, which is <laughs> a signifier that's been lacking from a lot of provinces lately. But. You know, if I come here and, like, you're a crap player and I attack, and I'm attacking you too and, I, and you flip this, um, I'm always going to choose what's best for me. It's yeah. either, if my honor, like, you're trying to honor pressure me, right? And if I have honor to spare, if I want it, like, crane and lion, they have the honor to spare. 
Sure, we're going to give it to you. I don't care. If it's running low or you've got me in the trap, I'll buy a, buy a character. A lot of my characters can still do things while they're bowed, so it's not like that big of a hindrance. So. Yeah. It, it is a high-strength province that is pretty hard to farm. Sure. Um, which is a good thing for a high-strength province to be. Because if they attack it with one small character, then you... I mean, if they're trying to farm, they probably don't want to just give you an honor every time they want a ring. Mm. And if they attack with just one small character, you just bow them, then they're not farming, so... Yeah, there's also a lot of unbow that's been popping up a lot lately, too. Yeah, so it's true. It more of an issue. I want to see the deck that is pressuring honor super hard. Crab used to be the kings of dishonor pressure, and that had everything to do with you could just slap Watch Commander on, and he it would be in every conflict, and the opponent couldn't do a lot because there wasn't enough tools in the game for the hand to do anything with, you know? Um,. Now there's a lot of ways to deal with Watch Commander. You're not seeing a lot of Watch Commander victories happen in recent times. Yep. So, let me, let me see the deck. I'm not yeah. saying it's bad. I'm not saying it's good either. Yeah, I think we'll, it's, it's, we'll have to see how it develops. I think it's tell a, you it's that a, people are it, definitely testing it out. I think it's an least. interesting part of a more cogent whole. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I, I think the deck that this goes into, which it might have a very nice spot, doesn't actually care if it exists in that deck or not. <laughs> That's fair enough. <laughs> All right, and I think that's everything else, because we've yep. talked about all the other things. And stuff. I believe that that's is correct. Some new cards for the new year. I'm going to go play some Harpoon. Okay, that sounds <laughs> I'm fair. See, I'm going to go see what I can trick my opponent into doing. <laughs> I really like is like so uh, yeah I'm gonna go back on it screw it it's my podcast I'll talk about crane and dueling as much as I want to and stuff the best way to stop a crane uh, from dueling you is to don't show up for the duel that's what a lot of people do, uh, do. it's one of the biggest strategies if you see my big duelist there he's just wait, he's like salivating waiting for you to attack so I can just like drop all these duels and to show you most people are like okay I, I, I passed my attack and it actually does a lot to screw up the current's uh, game plan. This thing forces people in. Like, you're coming here. I'm going to beat up your tiny dude and trigger all these proving grounds. It's going to be dope. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I, and, you know, I don't even have to show up for you to draw cards off proving grounds. Mm-hmm. Should be should be interesting. Crane continues to be strong. Please nerf Crane until they are unplayable. Just ban every light blue card. Thank you. No! <laughs> I, I do love how we're in the world where, like, Crane is receiving a lot of hate because we're just so used for, to Scorpion being super overpowered that we're not even, like, bothering wasting our breath for it. Like, yeah. <laughs> Scorpion are ridiculous. Let's get to the, the real problem. The cranes. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna lose to Scorpion already. I've lo- I've already cried myself to sleep about Scorpion, but you know what? I could complain about Crane. <laughs> now I'm interested to see what you're gonna do with resourceful Mahosuka. I like this is some really good design. I think it does something very Lynchpenny for it's a two coster. Um, it makes Maho cheaper and easier to do, uh, regardless of any clan alignment and stuff. I think this is a really good, like, hey, if you have a Maho deck, boom, here's your neutral option just to make that Maho, that, that archetype better. Um, so, and you're gonna do something horrible with Shadowlands, aren't that, you? That is my goal. So. I will try my best to make the Shadowlands work. I still... Still think it's funny how Crab, the most anti Shadowlands Maho people, <laughs> are the ones filled with the most Shadowlands and Maho. Yep. There is a story reason for it and stuff, but on the best of days, it's kind of a weak one. Yep. <laughs> At least Look, we're just, not Just imagine fighting. that every one of the Maho cards from Crab is just Kuniyori. At least the Crab haven't gone full Ramsey Bolton yet, so. Yes. If people don't know a reference I'm making, look at old L5. 
Yeah. All right. We're rambling here. I'm tired because I got to go shovel some snow. So uh, let's do some final shout outs. Uh, We give a shout out to uh, our sister podcast, the Court Games RPG Podcast, hosted by uh, G.D. Cavalar and Kovar over there. Uh, we've got Crimson Gold Agonies and Fortune and Strife, our new actual play podcast. We've got Tokyo the Five Rings, the YouTube series that we got going on. Talk about Japanese history, culture, and religion. Where can we find all these fine resources, Max? Just go to courtgamespod.com. That's right. Visit courtgamespod.com one more time. That's courtgamespod.com. See, it's really great. I don't have to threaten people to join Patreon anymore, because all I have to do is use the Sparising Challenge. I can force them to go to our Patreon, <laughs> <laughs> give us a generous donation, and fund all of our globally projects here. It's a Thanks, FFG. <laughs> and then I can check your fear who will grab a bu- draw a bunch of cards. It's a win-win! <laughs> what more can we want? Wait, more, duel- more duels? I always want more duels. <laughs> okay. You always want more duels. <laughs> I'm a crane! You want Shadowlands, I want duels. I'm a man of needs. Anyway, that's it for us. Happy New Year. Sorry, everyone. Yep. Happy New Year. <laughs>